Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex, your host, and today is show 45. I've got a good friend, Naomi Judge, here, a naturopath uh, extraordinaire. She's really just one of the most well-researched naturopaths. She is always staying on top of the latest research, seeing how she can apply that to her clients. And it's really quite admirable, the lengths she goes to outside of clinic hours to uh, do the best she can for her community and clients in in the research that she does. And it's for that reason that I've invited her to talk about quite a hotly contested uh, topic or sort of hotly talked about at the moment, intermittent fasting, but also the 5-2 diet because they seem to get lumped together quite a bit. And what I've done is I've brought Naomi on to show us the fundamental differences between the two, why you might explore either or, and why it might not be the right time to explore either of those right now for you. As you'll know, um, or maybe you don't, if you're just new to the show or the blog, The Low Tox Life is really about championing uh, a a sense of critical thinking, empowerment, awareness of the self when we're making changes, when we're trying new things that cross our paths as as a way to feel our best selves. And, you know, a lot of the times these things are warranted and incorporating some aspects or if not all, when you're talking about a whole food uh, concept as as a way of eating, as a blueprint, um, a lot of the times these things are great to bring into our everyday. But sometimes things uh, that are a bit more specific than a generalised view of uh, eating whole, beautiful, real food um, comes across our path and we think, oh, I've got to try that. I've got five kilos to lose so or 10 pounds and, and that's where I need to put all my focus and energy on and then we wonder why we don't feel well. And the, the thing missing in there is a, a curiosity and a sense of self-awareness when we're trusting what's out there more than we trust what's going on in here. And if we listen to ourselves as the foundation for all the things we try in life, you'll know pretty well whether that's going to be a good thing for you to do or not. But if you're quite confused and you're not sure and you think, oh, but maybe you're supposed to feel terrible for a couple of weeks at the start before you start to feel good, you know, there are a lot of things that show those things to happen as well. But if you're confused, please work with a practitioner because these Uh, people are there to guide you. They have seen it all before with many, many clients. They have not only research, but anecdote on their side to see what what will and won't work for people. So I hope you enjoy today's look at intermittent fasting and the 5-2 diet, how they're different, why they might be awesome, when they might not be so awesome. And before I kick into today's show, I just want to tell you a little bit about today's amazing show partner. For the second week, we have the beautiful Dr. Bronner Brand supporting our show. And, you know, I could go on about this brand forever. Last week, I told you about the championing of organics, fair trade, fair pay. Um, They're also huge champions against genetically modified foods. And I've got the amazing Professor Michael Antonio on the show next week who is a genetic scientist, a researcher who has done the most incredible studies on low-level glyphosate pesticide residue in uh, food and what that might mean for us in terms of health implications. So generously with us next week for a huge whopper of an hour and 20-minute chat. But I could have talked to the man for an hour more, definitely. So Dr. Bronner is always championing and awareness around genetically modified foods, how that sort of agriculture is long-term harming our soil um, and harming our ecosystems. But 
Aside from their activism, it's just a hugely practical, incredible product. Dr. Bronner's soaps have been around since the mid-1800s. And if you haven't listened to my show with Lisa Bronner, show number two on the podcast right at the beginning, you have to. It's a must listen. You must hear about this incredible brand story, uh, the adversity that they faced as they moved from Germany, escaping Nazism in the uh, before the Second World War and, and some of the challenges through um, the earlier years to what they've become today, still a family-owned business, so inspiring. And in terms of practicality, there's not a day that I don't have a Dr. Bronner mini soap in my bag if it's to avoid those weird fluorescent pink soaps in public places and what on earth might be in there or if it's to use as a shower gel when I'm on the road to you can wash your pet with it you could wash your car with it you can wash the dishes if you need to there's so many things you can do with the soaps you can make a great foaming soap dispenser with a little bit of castile soap a teaspoon of olive oil and then fill the rest up with uh, water and one big bottle of castile soap will last you a couple of years if that's all you're using it for so a lot of people think oh but that's more expensive than my usual but what you can use it for is so vast. How much you need to use is so tiny because it's so concentrated. It's the buy less, buy better kind of situation or buy better quality that's going to last you longer. We have 15% off the entire range. Please head to the show notes and make the most of that offer. It is only for another week from today. So enjoy and enjoy today's show with Naomi. Hello, Naomi. How are you? Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm super well. I'm excited to have you on the show. This is the first time. I know. I'm super pumped as well. I love your show. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, and today we're talking about fasting. And I think there'll be just as much myth busting as there will clarification. Because as we know, there is no one way for everybody, nor for every stage of life or every situation. And I think intermittent fasting is incredible uh, for many situations, but not for all. So for anyone out there who's been considering it today, this is just going to be a really fantastic uh, blueprint to weigh up whether it's something you should be talking about with the practitioner you're working with or even maybe talk to Naomi about it because um, all these things can happen online these days, which is wonderful. So let's start with... Intermittent fasting by definition, there may well be people out there who've heard of it or seen it in an article but have never actually really had a look at what it means and how it can look. Can we start there? Sure. I mean, intermittent fasting is the is the is kind of the buzzword for it at the moment, and there are lots of other different types of fasting. I mean, we've got medical term of fasting is actually overnight. So when you go for your bloods, they say, have you fasted? And that's kind of the overnight term. Mm. So that's where the term comes from. Then you've got religious definition, you know, religious fasting, like Ramadan. Mm -hmm. And then you've got intermittent fasting and then calorie restriction fasting. So intermittent fasting is where you have time, where you have that time between eating rather than restricting your calories. Ah, Okay, right. And so... Yeah, it's so funny how these buzzwords come about, isn't it? So I, I said um, at a recent uh, work trip that I was on, I just didn't fancy breakfast that morning and 
I'm a big fan of just listening to your body. And if you ate a big meal the night before, chances are you won't fancy breakfast. And he goes, ah, are you IFing? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I haven't heard that before, but exactly. I mean, everybody's talking about it. Mm, Yeah, they are. But like you say, it's a natural thing that you might do for your body. It's a natural thing. You wake up in the morning and you, you don't feel hungry or you had a good dinner. So you just naturally, you know, don't have a big breakfast or don't eat for breakfast. Mm. And so 5-2 is a diet, let's call it, that has cropped up and been very much linked to intermittent fasting as a concept. Can you tell us, therefore, so is that more the calorie restriction fasting that you're talking about then? Yeah, so the 5-2 diet, it's kind of this, um, there have been studies done on the 5-2 diet. So the 5-2 diet is where you have, you know, five days you're eating, um, you can be eating a certain amount of normal food, you know, healthy food, your breakfast, your lunch and your dinner. And then two of those days you actually have a bit of a restriction. Mm -hmm. So it's around 500, 600, 700 calories for women on those two days. Okay, right. And I, I'm, <laughs> I've tried five twoing. I'm just, I'm going to share my personal story, and I can't. I, I turned me into a binge eater when I when I tried it, and I'm sure there's a reason for it not working for me. You know, something biochemical going on. But I really, on those days, I, I could, and I'm not someone who thinks about food. I know that might sound weird when <laughs> I write recipes for a living. But in between meals, I'm not there going, oh, what, what's going to be for, I just quite functional unless I'm feeding family and friends and it's a feast situation. You know, mealtime is just something that happens. It's not something I dream of from one meal to the next. Mm-hmm. And so I was quite shocked that as soon as I was restricted, it was almost like my, like psychologically, it was like, what do you mean I can't have it? I want everything. What do you think that's from? Well, that would be that would be our old survival mechanism kicking in. Okay. So it's kind of that that starvate, and that we can talk about that a little bit more. The hormones that kick kick in with that kind of starvation mode. Mm. But when they kick in, it's your natural. You're naturally going to want to go for more foods, and sometimes the wrong foods. So if you've been restricting for two days, the next five days come up, your body's kind of going to be a little bit out of kilter, mm. and it's also going to be a bit worried. Your internal mechanisms are going to be thinking, oh, are we going to eat today? When are we going to eat? How much food? You know, when is it coming? So then you're going to be, it's going to be telling you to go eat, 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 mm. because it, it's scared that you might be missing a day of meal. There might not be any food around. And so that's that natural survival instinct kicking in. So how is that good for us then if um, it throws us out of kilter and can get us eating the wrong foods? Well, that is not good in terms of, you know, you'll be binging. So it does depend how you do the 5-2. When you do the 5-2, you've got to make sure that, you know, those five days you're eating really good meals. And you know how much I talk about macronutrients. And it's Mm. about making sure you're giving your body fat, carbohydrate, and protein and lots of veggies. And that might not be happening when you're doing the 5-2 diet because maybe if you're also trying to restrict on those two days, you're lowering your fat intake. And so that's the trigger to your body that, you know, there might be a famine around. Mm. So that can be happening. And also with restriction, it does go into that starvation mode. And that has a good and a bad benefit. So the bad benefit, if your hormones aren't balanced, is that you might binge eat, is that that your body thinks there's not much food around. The good thing is it does kick into some 
some hormones that are actually good for longevity. So there are, you've got the pros and cons there. But to do the 5-2 diet, 5-2 diet in particular, you have to have really nice, nicely balanced hormones. And the meals you're eating have to be really good meals, you know, getting all your macronutrients. Aha. Uh-huh. So you have to have nicely balanced hormones. So that's interesting. Does that mean... Because now I'm thinking about pretty much every woman on the planet and lots of men too, that hormone balance is a real issue for many people. Does that mean we need to work there before we attempt things like 5-2? Absolutely. Totally. Totally. Because if we look at the benefits, if we look at the studies and we look at the research that's out there, there's some human studies, there's other studies done on, on yeast and worms and mice and rats mm. if we look at all those studies the benefits show that it does that fasting and the and diets like 5-2 diet do support insulin resistance so metabolic syndrome so it's good for obesity if obesity is due to insulin resistance or blood sugar issues okay. it does help with aging so it does help with that helps with due to ketosis it helps with brain trauma and alzheimer's and it helps with muscle gain and also triglycerides, which is a big one. So it brings down your triglycerides, which are your bad fat in your blood, which causes inflammation. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to your hormones, there's not a huge amount of research out there. But if we look at the mechanisms of fasting, we can see that fasting can raise cortisol. It can raise testosterone. It can also interfere most likely with oxytocin levels and most likely with progesterone levels. So if, yeah, if those hormones are out of balance and you're doing fasting because you want to try and balance hormones or you want to try and lose weight and those hormones are already out of balance, it's not going to work for you as well as somebody that has good hormones and they just want to treat their insulin resistance. Right. So, but it, yes, so it can be great for people who are diabetic, pre-diabetic, well, especially type 2, obviously, I would say there. Yes, definitely. Leptin resistance? Yeah, it works wonderfully for leptin resistance. So leptin resistance is an issue for so many people. And the issue that leptin resistance is an issue is because of when were we told? I mean, how long ago were we told that we we should be snacking and we should be eating? How I don't know. It used to be like five pieces of fruit a day, mm, was, um, fruit yeah. diets, fruit all the time, and that puts the leptin out. So when you have gaps between eating, there are benefits between gaps between eating, and I'll share with you my kind of favorite one later. Yeah. But that will actually help with leptin resistance. So Wonderful. when you leave hours, that's good for leptin. Okay, great. And just for the people who might not know, because I guess leptin doesn't get talked about much, but it's considered a master hormone of sorts. And I, I believe it doesn't get talked about much as because you actually have to pay for a test for it. It's not part of your standard blood. Exactly. So yeah. no one ever sees it on there. And it's only, I think, 30 or $50 to get. And yet an extremely important hormone to know about. Can you just share a little bit more about your clinical experience in learning about it and, and, and using it as a marker to help your clients? Definitely. I mean, leptin is one of those hormones. It's, I do see it as quite a common issue. And you'll know if your leptin is out of balance. It's those, those telltale signs. So you have a meal and after the meal, you know that sensation, that feeling that you're just not satisfied. Yep. You have a meal and you've just got like that, oh, I just need something. I don't feel satisfied. And you feel okay in the stomach. You don't have any gnawing or hunger in the stomach. But it's kind of like this mental hunger. 
yeah. this mental, okay. I'm not quite satisfied. And then also another sign is needing to snack all the time. So even healthy snacks, and I mean, I think we've talked about snacking before, but you know, healthy snacks, even if you need to have a snack every hour or every half an hour, you're constantly grazing, that's a sign that the leptin is out. And not only that, but it will also put your leptin out. So you just need to be careful with that. But the signs are that, you know, you're hungry, you need to snack, constant craving for snacks and also constant craving for fruit can be a sign that your leptin is out. It's an appetite hormone. So what it does is it controls how we feel about food. Uh, I lost my words. It's because it's coming up to full moon. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast, but on full moon, I mean, I was trying to do maths the other night and it wasn't working. (laughs) Oh dear. But, um, you know, it controls our appetite and our hunger. So it's very important. Yeah. Extremely important. And would you say that something like the 5-2 diet could help bring it back into balance? My experience is more the fasting. Okay. So let's just finish with 5-2 then. I wanted to ask about PCOS because a lot of people with PCOS have resistant weight loss. Um, It's certainly something I have experienced and do myself. I I just question because there are often hormonal issues at play with PCOS, mm-hmm. whether the 5-2 diet would be a, a great way to go for people with PCOS. With PCOS, it's a really interesting one. And, and, and my thoughts on PCOS, and I have been researching this a bit more, but my thoughts on PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, is actually that we haven't put the syndrome, the disease, in the right bucket. And Ooh. it's actually a lot of different issues going on, a lot of different syndromes. It's not one. Because what I found with PCOS is some people can have polycystic ovarian syndrome simply due to insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome, diet, that kind of thing. And that's where it might work. But other women with PCOS have an array of different hormonal issues. Some can have elevated cortisol, some can have elevated testosterone, and some can have elevated estrogen. So it's a different, it is a different syndrome. There's not this one bucket for it. And so that's where it gets a little bit tricky. Yeah. So that's where you would look at a case by case scenario and, and other factors, other factors probably. Oh, totally. Yeah. You have to, I mean, if it was just simply a blood sugar, if your, if your progesterone and cortisol were looking quite good and they were in a nice level and your, and your estrogen was okay, you could possibly look at doing intermittent fasting or the five, two diet to help. But if you've got that picture of really high testosterone coupled with maybe high cortisol, which is the typical picture for some PCOS issues, then you wouldn't want to look at intermittent fasting. What you want to look at is you want to look at three meals a day Mm -hmm. to start with and do those three meals a day to help kind of buffer those hormones, help your nervous system and bring down that cortisol. Right. Okay. But if your cortisol is quite low, then that wouldn't be a factor. No, if you've got very low cortisol, there are some arguments that intermittent fasting can help the cortisol. Oh, wow. Yes. Amazing. So into intermittent fasting then, so we can see that it's more about the amount of time that you don't eat over the 24-hour period rather than restricting on a couple of days and eating normally on others. So 
How have you used this clinically then? We've talked a little bit about 5-2 and various issues that people might be having, but intermittent fasting is something that you turn to for what exactly? So intermittent fasting would be something I would turn to with my mainly female clients. I do have male clients and actually we would do it. I tell you, I'll say this first, with any of my male clients that suffer with low testosterone Mm -hmm. or suffer with any um, pre-diabetic issues, we would do intermittent fasting. And most men do well on intermittent fasting because most men, most men I say that quite, (laughs) a majority of men have high estrogen to low testosterone these days. It is an issue. Oh, wow. Gosh, get those those horrible deodorants out of your armpits, gents. Exactly. I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're taking their (laughs) girlfriend's or a contraceptive pill. I don't know what's happening there by accident, but but this is an issue. So they'll do really well. Men do well missing a meal. You know, it helps with their testosterone, gets their testosterone up, helps with that little bit of belly fat, those big bellies. Um, and helps with you know lean muscle mass over a, over a male body so it's really good there and I would always I would nearly always use it for men always mm-hmm. recommend it definitely that missing the breakfast and eating a little bit later in the day right and so it's about that window of time that you eat during the day right so you would miss your breakfast for example and then start eating and make your window of eating in the day like 11 till 6 p.m or something Totally. Mm. And I mean, it's so easy and it makes sense because you think about it, if we've got what doesn't make sense to me, and this is where I started doing my research because it didn't make sense. I had clients coming to me and in my office, I see a lot of women that work till six, seven at night. They were coming and seeing me after work. You know, they'd had a stressful day and they wanted to know about fasting, the 5-2 diet, which they had tried and they'd been doing. But they were coming to me anxious, anxious, not sleeping, constipated. So that's where it doesn't work. If you've got these really stressful days, you know, and you're fasting and you're putting your body under more stress, it's just going to be, it's just going to be playing havoc with, you know, cortisol and the oxytocin. Whereas if you're fasting overnight, that kind of makes a lot of sense to me. I like that. And it really does make sense. You stop eating at a certain time and you start again after you slept Mm -hmm. and you have a really good night's sleep that gives your body a chance to reset your body doesn't have the high cortisol levels that it would do through the day. So that makes a lot of sense. Right. Okay. And a lot of people ask, you know, does it have to be the breakfast that I skip? Can I have breakfast and lunch and skip the dinner instead? What's your view on that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen clients do different things. There's not, a, there's not a, like I said, there's not tons and tons of research what I found works is having breakfast later, skipping breakfast and then having lunch and dinner mm-hmm. because eating in the evening or towards the end of the day can help with sleep. But if it does help, but if you do, if you do okay not having dinner, so say you have breakfast, you sleep and you have breakfast at what, say nine, and then you have lunch at say two and you stop eating at two o'clock mm. and you feel fine through the evening and you're sleeping well then, you know, that's working for you. But if you've got any issues with sleep, insomnia, or you're waking up suddenly at 3 a.m., that could be your blood sugar dropping. So you just have to watch. It's a really, like you said, everyone's a little bit different. So listen to your body and see what's doing. Track your sleep and see if it's working for you. Personally, I couldn't do that. (laughs) That's a personal, I have a personal process. I love eating at night and I eat like a like I'm a, like a lion. I eat a lot at night. Yeah, I love I like going my to dinner. bed. Yeah, mm. I love my dinner, and I kind of like going to bed on a bit of a full tummy. Mm. Um, I sleep really well, and then I either either skip breakfast or I have breakfast late. Yeah, 
And, you know, you said there it's about listening to how you're responding to it. I think so often we're made to feel or we're so disconnected from our own bodies and how we're responding to things that we just assume we're doing it wrong or it's us that's the problem. It's like, no, (laughs) sometimes it can be that diet or the way you're doing that that is the problem. Definitely. Rather than you having a problem. You know, we're all so individual and yet we copy a blueprint from the internet expecting for everybody to feel like that amazing woman in the picture and wonder why it doesn't work. And it's because of so many different things. You are, you're totally correct. You just listen to the signs. And even things you did in your teenage years mm. can affect how your body responds. Oh, tell me more about that. Well, let's look at, let's look if you were, if you were a binge eater on sugar in your teens, you know, that's going to make you more susceptible to responding negatively oh, wow. to certain diets. So say the 5-2 diet or restricting your calories, you might be more likely to binge. So you have to look. Or if you've, I mean, if you've come from a history of healthy eating, you're going to be much more adapt mm. to these diets. Your body is going to, your body is going to work with them a little bit better, that natural, that natural rhythm. So that's, you know, even our past has a huge impact on how these diets work for us now. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because most people are exploring these sorts of things because they've come from a not-so-great way of eating. Yes, yes. And that's why you should go into it slowly. I mean, I really think if you want to explore these, whatever you've got going on for you, whether it's thyroid, whether it's blood sugar, hormones, I mean, even cancer, it has been shown to work for cancer. But again, there's evidence there and there's there, there can be issues there with cancer. So you do have to be really careful. Certain cancers definitely I probably wouldn't recommend fasting for, or I wouldn't recommend fasting for if a client came to see me. So just to be careful there, but you know, it will work for different things. So what was I, what was the question? I was just, uh, (laughs) I know you you started tangenting. I'm glad it wasn't me for a change. So I I basically sort of said, you know, that uh, off the back of you saying Sometimes if you were a binge eater in your teens Mm -hmm. and that was a factor, then you might not respond as well as someone who came from a healthy eating background. And then talking about how, well, it's ironic that the people who don't come from the healthy eating backgrounds are then looking for these sorts of ways of improving. And sometimes it, it sounds to me like there needs to be almost a bridging period where you make some adjustments, balance some hormones and set your body up to then accept it more successfully. Would that be right? That is what I was trying to say. Yeah, totally. Start, start. look at why you want to do it. I mean, what is the outcome? What is the total outcome? And most people say they want to lose weight, but look at exactly why. Is it you want to feel better? You want to lose weight? Have you got an illness that you want to cure? Or you want to um, help, you know, want to get more energy? Why do you want to do it? And then like you say, that bridging period. If you're a binge eater and you're constantly grazing, I would just start pulling that back, going to those three meals a day, doing that and slowly get into it and see how your body responds that way. Oh, that's such great advice. You know, the human nature is to go all in, cray cray, (laughs) you know, everything by the letter, extreme, black and white. And, uh, and life just isn't like that, especially if you're coming back from some sort of a chronic health hardship or a totally different way of eating and you need to overhaul. The overhaul doesn't need to happen in a day. The overhaul is a gradual period towards, 
you know, then doing something like this, which is um, a more refined version once you've been on whole foods, three meals a day for a, a good little while. Now, another situation, I've heard you talk about this, so I'd love you to share it here, is um, people with adrenal fatigue and forms of fasting and it perhaps not being such a great idea. Is this another group of people that need that bridging period before attempting things like this? Look, definitely. And with adrenal fatigue, you get things like amenorrhea, which is not having your period. That's that's a huge thing. And so once you start doing fasting and restricting, so this is fasting is a form of restricting. You're restricting foods, you're restricting fats, proteins, starches, carbohydrates, and vegetables at the end of the day. Any restriction will always signal things in the body it will send signals to the body one of the restrictions particularly fat restrictions does signal to reduce fertility and so it will yes it will it will signal other things so whenever you've got a low so think of you know whenever you've got low functioning adrenals or low functioning pituitary i mean work that out first what hormones aren't being produced you know thyroid progesterone cortisol testosterone it's always good to know which hormones aren't being produced you need to go into it slowly and definitely ensure that each each meal you're having your fat through the day you're having your protein because then that will give those positive signals to your hypothalamus that everything's okay and those those hormones will be nicely nicely produced it's really unbelievable isn't it i I have to cut in because you just said that lowering fat can signal infertility in the body is that right yes yes so i mean you know could the low fat movement get any worse at this point (laughs) in time for what it's done for us as as a disservice to health it's really quite nuts isn't it it's, it's totally, totally. Oh. Think about, I mean, I, mean, I it makes me, it, it, I, I get quite passionate about this because I think about all my clients that are over 60, 70 who, who come to see me and, and you know, with, with issues with, with dementia or, you know, memory issues, brain issues and thyroid is out and, and they've had a low fat diet for a long period of their life. Mm. Yeah, they would be the most affected, the baby boomers. Mm. Oh, I mean, I know personally when I, I went from vegetarian to to a diet of higher fat, higher protein. And that sorted my fertility hormones out in respect to I started ovulating regularly. So before I was having a menstrual cycle, but I didn't, I wasn't having a good ovulation. And it's that fat and that protein that has helped with that ovulation. That's incredible. And so many people out there deny themselves these essential nutrients. Yes. Yes. Do you believe, okay, I'm going on a tangent here, but only because we would have some vegetarian listeners out there. Um, Is there a way to do vegetarianism from a nutritional perspective um, responsibly to protect yourself? Yes. I mean, you would add, I mean, that's a great question because there are so many vegetarians and vegans out there as well. And whether that's a choice, um, ethical reasons, everyone's got a right to choose, but there are, there are ways to be healthy about it. So being a healthy vegan and vegetarian means, you know, you're, you're using, you've a macronutrient's gone, you mm-hmm. know, protein has gone. That's a big bulk of food. That's a big bulk of food choices. So you need to replace it. And the best thing to replace it with would be fat. Mm, okay that, that's how you go so you would just be adding lots I mean you could be using coconut oil it gets it gets a bit tricky when people have you know sensitivities to to salicylates and things like that but you know you can do it but definitely definitely adding the different fats in your diet and thinking yang so vegetarians are quite yin you know it's 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 cooling it's it's quite alkalizing 
there's I'm not as much sodium so you need to start kind of like revving things up and heating things up a little bit when you're a vegetarian or vegan ah interesting okay right no I think that's really great information so back to our our subject though and back to adrenal fatigue so what do you see uh, clients who experience adrenal fatigue needing to work on the most if they wanted to do the 5-2 diet, like what would an eating plan to restore adrenals look like? So historically with low low adrenals, so you've got hyper and then you've got fatigued adrenals where they're not pumping out as much hormones. Now, historically, there are lots of adrenal plans out there and that there's a few books. Historically, you would sleep as much as you can and you would snack very regularly. Now, we've kind of changed that theory and that thought definitely doesn't work. You definitely don't want to be snacking all the time. But if you were going to go into intermittent fasting, the first thing is to make sure you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. And then what you'd want to make sure is that your foods, your meals did have enough, enough amount of fat and protein. I would opt more for intermittent fasting if, if you had adrenal fatigue and see how you go. And I would probably eat, I would start with like a 16-8. That's where I would start and see how I felt doing that. So 16-8, you've got your 16 hours of sleep and, and, and doing things. And then you've got your eight hours where you can have food. Mm-hmm. So I would do that first and see how they go and see how you go. You need to be sleeping and you also need to manage yourself depending on what you've got on that day. So if you know you're getting up and you've got a really stressed day and you get up and you have a cup of coffee and then don't eat, that's just going to worsen the adrenal fatigue. So you really need to make sure your day's not the most stressful day. You know, you're not running around, you're not doing intense exercise because intense exercise coupled with fasting, coupled with adrenal fatigue, again, will just make it worse. Mm. So you've got to be making sure you're looking after yourself as well and you're just managing your energy. And so the 16-8 that you mentioned there as a way of not eating for 16 hours and eating for eight hours, and I don't mean eight hours straight. I just... <laughs> okay, to clarify that, that's a good one. <laughs> just in case anyone needed clarification on that, that does not mean eating nonstop for eight hours. It just means that's your window where food is, you know, your couple of meals happen. The window of food, yes. So that's really interesting with the sort of average window, if you like, being that eight hours of eating over the day and 16 hours of fasting. Is it a a more is more thing where if you fast for 18 hours and eat for six or, or have your eating window be six or 20 and four, like does it, get better and better or are there reasons people might explore that? Look, yes, Alex. I mean, people will go longer. It's 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 used for more of a therapeutic action. So a lot of people will use fasting as a way to help their symptoms or even help chronic illnesses, you know, like MS. And some people have even tried it, tried it with things like cancer and obviously they need to talk to their practitioner. But the reason they do this is because they can go into – you can go into a bit of ketosis and ketosis actually helps to, you know, give the brain food and it has been shown to help reduce inflammation and help fight chronic illness. So if you go for longer, you do have to be careful. And, and I wouldn't go longer as part of your everyday routine. I, I wouldn't say to people now, OK, start tomorrow and, you know, go for 
<laughs> you know, do tw- a 20 hour fast. I mean, we look at fasts in, in hospitals as always like that nil by mouth. Yeah. And they always do a fast before surgery and that kind of thing. But definitely it is done, but it's more of a therapeutic action. It's more for your chronic disease rather than just your everyday wanting to have a little bit more energy or every day to look at things like weight loss. It's more for that therapeutic action, definitely. Okay, awesome. And so I guess to finish up, I'd love to just get your brain to condense everything we've talked about and just share. So someone wants to start today how do they get started on intermittent fasting? Look, the best way to start is just look at your diet first. You want to make sure that you're having eating whole foods first. You know, if you've got a diet full of sugar or full of takeout food or lots of sodas, or if you're snacking, if you're relying on snacking every two to three hours, if you start intermittent fasting or the 5-2 diet, you're going to be affected by that. You're going to be fatigued. You might be hungry. Your blood sugar may drop dramatically. So you do need to go into it with ease and you do need to be careful. It's probably a good idea to actually get a practitioner to ease you into it, particularly if your diet's not in the best place to start. So first look at your diet. Are you eating three really good meals a day? Are your meals balanced with protein, lots and lots of vegetables, some starchy carbs and some fats? Because if that's the case, then moving into intermittent fasting will probably be easier for you because your blood sugar is already balancing out Mm. and you can go for food without food for a longer period of time. I mean, you know those people, I know those those people that um, at work or, or you know, I think I, I've got a couple of friends that always have to have the nuts in their handbag mm. because they need to be snacking constantly. So if you're a grazer, don't go headlong into fasting just yet. Start to ease it down and do three meals a day and maybe two snacks a day. Mm-hmm. And then once you've got there, you can start maybe prolonging your breakfast. So getting up in the morning, and not having breakfast straight away, and just seeing how long you can go for, and actually noticing how your body feels. Do you feel hungry in the stomach? Because if you feel hungry in the stomach, then yes, you should eat. Mm. But if you're feeling nauseous, or if you're feeling dizzy, or if you're feeling tired, you you will need to have some food. But that's more of an indication, instead of being hungry, that's more of an indication of blood sugar. So maybe you went too long without eating. But definitely start with that. Look at those three meals a day first you know, full of whole whole foods and then move on from there. So true. And, you know, humans are hilarious, aren't we? We just, we want to go from the worst of the worst to like the <laughs> most extreme and the big program extreme, and make yes. these lavish changes and, oh, my God, I'm born again, you know, and it's, it, it's not sustainable, A, I mean, you and I have seen it so much with the hundreds of people we've both worked with on various aspects of health and change the other part of that is people can then mistake the huge drastic jump as the thing that made them feel so much better where actually the middle ground of implementing whole foods could do just the thing, you know, as well. And exactly, it, and that's yes. more of a refinement and a, a curiosity and a, and a taking things to the next level, giving my digestive system a bigger break. But once we've got that whole food foundation happening, I think that's such an important thing. Exactly. It's a, it's a process. And I find for me, and some people might find this works for them as well, I actually do what I call kind of a macronutrient fast. So for breakfast, I actually miss out my carby starches 
Mm. You know, my legumes or rice or bread, I don't have that. And I might have a little bit of protein with, say, half an avocado. So I've got my protein, I've got the fat, and then I have some vegetables like either some broccoli or some salad or salad leaves or that kind of thing. And I actually find that fast, you know, having the carbohydrate fast, the starch fast in the morning works nicely for me and helps me to have energy throughout the day. Oh, I totally agree. I love a little bit of carb in the in the evening. That's when I, I wouldn't mind going for a second oh, potato. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that helps me sleep. <laughs> yeah, I think it really does. It just settles and calms at the end of a big day. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, interesting. Okay, so you could even talk about like fasting out of 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 carbs at certain times exactly yeah Yeah, there are different ways to do it and it's like you were saying earlier you know work listen to your body and work out you know how you feel when you do it don't just don't just start following somebody else or a friend when it doesn't work for you and it might work really well for them because their hormones are at a different place maybe it's a man you know they're slightly different so really listen and tune into your body to know what works for you so if you feel energized you don't want to feel hyperactive if you feel energized, alert, relaxed, and you know not hungry, then that's a good way to feel. But if you're feeling hyperactive, or if you're feeling starving, if you're feeling sleepy or a bit sluggish, then maybe it's not working for you. Mm, great advice. So should we set a little curiosity challenge for this week? Oh, good idea. Okay. <laughs> what is it? You tell me. Look, I think the best place, so the best, we've talked about the best place to start. And I think it's definitely to look at your diet. But I would be, I think it's really interesting to know how people feel. You know, if you, if you feel like you've got a good breakfast, lunch and dinner at the moment, see how you go. So have your dinner, see how you go just skipping out on that breakfast or not, not doing your usual habits. So we're so habituated in the morning to have our toast or have our cereal or have something straight away and just see how you feel, you know, maybe just having some water first, a couple of glasses of water and just waiting a little bit longer and just seeing how your body feels. I think that's a great way to do it and to st- and to, to ease into it if you haven't done it before. Fab. I love it. And if anyone wants to try that and share, or if you've even had experience fasting before or doing the 5-2 diet, whether it felt great for you, whether actually it set up a red flag on and uncovered issues that you had and you ended up working on those with your practitioner, I think it'd be really great to get some comments happening this week. I would love to see that. I would love to see what, what they've benefited from, what's worked for them and what hasn't because there are so many different fasts out there and, and so many different human beings. So it would <laughs> no. be interesting to see what works. Yeah, it really what will. doesn't. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me this week to demystify intermittent fasting, the 5-2 diet, finally getting some clarity for people around what the difference might be um, and who might benefit from which. It was a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. I can't believe it took me this long to get you on the show. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. It was lovely to chat to you. Great. Thanks, Naomi. Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. Check out the show notes at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And if you wanted to maybe share a quote and something that really jumped out for you, you can find us on Instagram at lowtoxlife or simply hashtag lowtoxlife across social media. I absolutely love bringing you the show. Thank you for any of the star ratings or one-line reviews that you guys have left. It helps me know what you've been loving and what you'd love to see more of. I'll see you next week.
for your ears. Who is that? Hi, podcast.